We are live. Thank you guys for tuning in to episode three of the Mogs podcast, aka Meatheads on Gray Street. Mr. John Ballard is rather sick today. He got the COVID, so Thanks, he won't be joining us. Yeah, send, send your prayers. Tom also won't be joining us. He got called into work. So we got our buddy Danilo Hunter, Jack Ginger guy, whatever the hell you want to call him. Um, joining us today. We're going to talk about some of the recent shows, both NPC and mostly the pro shows. Uh, we're going to let Danilo introduce himself. Um, and then we're just going to kind of see where it goes. You know, we were shooting the shit beforehand. We got something to start us off with, and we'll just see where it goes from there. But first, uh, Danilo, introduce yourself so that everyone knows who they're listening to. Yeah, and I appreciate you guys kind of having me on for this and let me fill in. But, um, I recently moved to Tampa like a year ago, so I'm kind of like fresh in Florida. Uh, but I'm a bodybuilder, just like Ben and Jensen. I've competed in four shows. Um, I'm currently in prep right now, too, for two shows. I'm doing the Hurricane and then Olympia Amateur afterwards. I also do coaching. I'm not like one of the people that just like does one show. They're like, I'm an online coach. Like I've actually had experience and like talked around with coaches and stuff and mentored. So, um, yeah, other than that, like I'm wanting to bodybuild career-wise and increase my businesses, just like coaching-wise and eventually own a gym, all that kind of stuff, so. What are your uh, yeah. what are your visions for when you own the gym? Like how I want it to look or just like? Yeah, like the vibe, the size, how you, you know. Yeah, no, so I definitely want to do something kind of, I want it to be like a bodybuilding vibe for sure, but mm -hmm. still cater to like anyone can really come in and lift. Um, almost kind of like a revive. It's very clean there, but they have pieces of equipment all from different uh, companies. Like they have like the best piece of equipment from each different company. So it's not like the same, like just all Arsenal or all Prime. Mm -hmm. So I'm like getting a list made of what I want. And then I definitely want to have like massage therapy in there, chiropractic work, all that kind of stuff. So it's like a one, like all in one place. I love that. That's kind of, I think, I think most of us like want to do that at some point, or at least like it's somewhere in our mind, whether we do it or not. But I kind of want to do the same thing at some point, but also have like a wellness clinic attached to it. My girlfriend, yes. Sarah, who I, I don't know if you ever met her, but she's a physician's assistant and, uh, she wants to move into that once her loan repayment thing is done. She has, she has to work for a not-for-profit. Once that's done, she wants to move into that. And um, so we're looking forward to eventually adding that. So, hey, maybe we'll just open that up right next to you guys. Yeah. No, that'd be perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. But thank you for the intro, my man. Um, so we'll just hop right into the bullshit we were talking about before. What do you guys think the chances are that you can get your – say you're, you got a girlfriend who also competes – and um, like one of the OG females, not one of the like alphabet people, you know, like got a badge, always had a badge, still has a badge. She's, oh, I don't oh. know, sub 13%, yeah, sub 13% body fat, and you're running a bunch of gear. Are you pulling out? Is there a reason to pull out? Do you think she can get pregnant? Do you think there's a really small chance she can get pregnant? Weigh on your opinions on this very important topic. Ripping that Band-Aid off to start us off here. Jeez. Yep. Yeah, man. Yep. I Look, uh, I wouldn't take advice from me for, for many things, but I don't really give a shit, to be honest, if that's my scenario. I don't really care. I mean, the, the chances of that are so slim, especially since, you know, we're taking freaking hormones and all that. It's all fucked up. Your balls are smaller than raisins. Like, it's it's not going to work, in my opinion. But I don't know. I'm sure there's there's there are plenty of bodybuilders that have done it so it is concerning in the back of my head but i just try not to think about it <laughs> I, I have a follow-up question but i want to get i want to get dan's opinion first <laughs> no i agree i think the chance is very small i actually had this conversation when my coach was down here i don't know how i got brought up but he had a scare and he thought he got a girl pregnant but it was like actually no i think i think he did but she ended up miscarrying it. It's something along the lines of that, but he was like, it's very rare that happens. He's like, it's literally like, he's like, don't worry about it. I was like, okay. So I don't, I don't, I don't really care. I'm in the same boat as Ben. But then you think about it and you're like, well, what if that happens? I'm kind of fucked if happens. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, like, there's two anabolics that are supposed to be like complete 
sperm killers, meaning like you'll still have it, but they just don't work at all. S23, which is usually marketed as a SARM and then Trestolone. So they, like in the studies too, it's like your shit does start working again after however many weeks, I don't remember, it might've been like eight weeks or something, like it returned, it was fine. But during that time it was like, yeah, it's basically impossible to get someone pregnant. So for a while in the past, I was running Trest just so that I didn't have to worry. But I think looking back, that was pretty stupid though. Use such a strong anabolic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, well, it doesn't, here's the thing. It doesn't take bodybuilding dosages of it to work. I mean, in some of the studies, oh. they went as low as 10 milligrams. So you don't need to run like 300 migs of it and have, you know, some nice man titties popping up on you. You can just use a tiny little bit and it probably works, but that's such an experimental chemical that... I've heard, um, I listen, I don't know anything. I'm just talking shit. But like, I've heard that when you're taking, I believe like a test base with Primo or Masteron that like, that's pretty much, it's just not going to work. I, I don't know for sure, but I've heard that like Primo Masteron. I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. We all take tests of Primo. Yes. <laughs> I, I think, but I could be totally wrong. I, I really don't know. <clears throat> I'm not going to be the dummy for it, but I mean, it makes me feel a little bit better. So, well, Hey, I mean, yeah. I, I, listen, I, I've been, Going for what three months now, something like that. I think it's been three months I've been pushing, and I've been taking those two things, and we're good. So I mean, mm, okay. maybe it's worth. Cool. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Cool. Same thing. No pun intended. You guys are ballsier than me, but you know you're inspiring me. So. Ah! <laughs> um. Okay. A lot ballsier. Pun intended. So we are going to talk about the show. Um, who wants to start us off with what their thoughts were? I'll say just as someone who was like prepping someone for the first time and then so did one smaller show for my girl Dexter Jackson Classic and then did this show. Dude, I'm thinking Tim Gardner Productions are great and I'm thinking Pro-Am shows are the way to go. I mean, the schedule is a little bit rougher because, you know, they're going to preference the pro people like towards the middle of the day, less of a giant break for them, don't have to get up quite as early, don't have to stay up quite as late, but... I mean, the whole second floor of the venue for the Tampa Pro was like the pump-up area, which was outstanding. They moved through everything as quick as possible. Um, so I wasn't sure if that's something you guys have noticed with pro-am shows or you know what shows tend to be higher quality versus lower quality. I would be eager to hear your guys' perspective since you guys have been competing a lot more than I have or had clients doing. I haven't done a pro-am show. Have you done a... Pro Am show, Ben? No, 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 no. I haven't either because the, all the shows I've competed at have been well. The Dexter Jackson one, it's through Center Podium, mm -hmm. so those are the only NPC shows I've done besides Nationals in Florida. So I haven't like our pump up area was literally like probably as big as my living room in the kitchen, which it's not very big, and it's like you have fifty plus competitors. There's like no room to do anything. So hearing that's kind of nice because I'm going to do the Hurricane, which is a Pro-AM show. And it's just, it kind of, I feel like it's it's better in the sense for the competitors just because it's less stress on you. You're not crammed in with a bunch of people. You have room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they also had, <laughs> I was just going to say, they had the tanning right next to the makeup. So for female competitors, or even some of the guys who are doing makeup too, it was right there. And then the pump up, like, room was right next to that and then there was a whole microwave room and then there was just like four rooms where you could kind of just chill in so you weren't going to be late for anything and they were even just like oh if your tan goes a little late like you can still like do your scheduled makeup right after and so for me trying to like handle care and see how everything moves i was like oh, this is amazing like so 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 convenient but yeah i think what we're uh, for makeup. the majority of shows at the amateur level, I mean, even sometimes national shows, it's it's very crammed together. Like I've never really had a whole lot of space to pump up with. Um, organization has been subpar, so <laughs> I mean, it just depends, I guess, what shows you do. But in my experience with the ones, I, I've done five total, I think, at this point, and it's always just kind of like a, a mess of a backstage, if you even want to call it a backstage. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I mean, I'm doing Tampa next year, um, so that sounds good. I'm excited for that. Hell yeah. I'm definitely going to have at least one client do it next year because uh, I'm going to compete, I think, early next year. But I think I'm going to have, like, five people do the Tampa show. I'll just be like, yeah. yo, one of you in my spare bedroom, the rest of you, I don't know, Airbnbs, someone called dibs. And because it's just so convenient, just so convenient for me, and it was run so well. But uh, one thing that I definitely thought would be funny to talk about, um, just coming to someone who's like new to this scene and was figuring stuff out this past weekend, can we talk about how wild uh, like tanning is? For those who don't know, you get butt or buck, whichever one you choose, naked. You get naked, naked. Yeah. I mean, you are literally bending over in front of these girls with a little spray thing and they are spraying your butthole naked. So, and then, and yeah. also when you're done with that, you're standing in a room with all the other competitors. So yeah, you've got a bigger, and you're seeing everyone. Another thing that's pretty uh, substantial for, for us in this group here is uh, it's very fucking cold. And <laughs> oh, yeah, when it's very cold, yeah. uh, you know, your your man down there is not all that impressive. So, no. yeah, you better get used to having a tiny dick uh, backstage. <laughs> well, do you I not mean, wear a sock? Bodybuild overcompensate anyway. Uh, hey, we don't tell them that, but yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I can't wear secrets. God damn it. <laughs> no, I, I, Dude, I always choose to wear it. You don't? No, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, bro. I see. See, I'm just like, I just don't want my dick in their face. So I'm like, I'll just I'll put the fucking baby sock on. I don't care. Dude, at, at that point, I'm so brain dead from the trend and the AIs and the exhaustion. And just like, I finally got there. I'm like, you know what? You can look at my cock. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I really don't. Dude. Oh, here's no. Go ahead. I was going to say, here, here's a question. So I love taking some Cialis like three, four hours before I lift. Like it greatly enhances the pump, heats blood pressure yes. down. It does. And I saw someone at the competition had like the OG Viagra pills in their bag. And I saw them pop them before they went up on stage. And the way those, those vasodilators work they should only provide like a pump to areas that you're actually activating. They're not an aphrodisiac. Like they don't make you horny. Like that's what yeah. PT-141, which is based off Melanotan 2 does. And there's other like horny goat weed and stuff like that does that. But do you guys know what the, uh, if people do that or not? Cause it does greatly enhance my pump, but I'm like, that's a chance I'm just not taking. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that before. I would be too scared to do that before stage, but it's like, you don't have a sex drive really going into show, so it's like, are you really going to get up on stage and your dick's going to be hard? Like, I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to be honest, I think it'd be fine because, like, we've taken it pre-workout, and it's not like you're popping boners in the gym. So, I mean, I think it'd be fine. I've heard of people doing that. I've heard of people doing, like, super draw before a show to try to, like, get a big pump. Like, I don't know. There's lots of different ways people do it. Yeah, true. I mean, some orals can make your wiener a little hard. So, that, yeah. <laughs> I, th I think honestly, if you're if you're depleted enough, I think you're just not going to be able to get it up anyway. So it probably wouldn't be a concern. But I was like, you know, that's probably a question I should ask. And you know, there's probably maybe a person listening to this that wondered that too. So now now they know. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, I think it's fine. I don't see a problem with it. it I mean, I don't, I really don't. It should be fine. Cool. Just don't cool. don't yeah. think about big booty bitches when you're on stage. That's all you got to do. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that would be. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. Well, what do we think of the show? I think. I mean, Hunter looked great. Hunter looked really fucking good because I saw him in person, or we saw him in person. Then you and I on my forty, and we're watching him pose. Jensen, I don't know if you saw him, but like, I, I saw him in the gym the day before, and I was like, he looks the best he ever has. I don't see anyone beating him. Like, no. glutes fully no. etched in, back look crazy like i mean to see that i was trying to find a weak point and i just really couldn't even you know like he was pulling it. a vacuum and he's never pulled a vacuum before yeah um, and motherfuckers so were like, saying that his stomach was distended like are you freaking bro stupid? i'm literally like do you guys not understand how much muscle this man has put on over the years it's like i'm surprised his waist hasn't gotten any bigger like literally. it's hard to keep it it's like it's hard to keep it in as is 
trying to put on that much in the short amount of time. So it's like for him to be able to pull a fucking vacuum in a front double, I'm like, what are you guys complaining about? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I think some people just don't realize like it's like you said, how much muscle they put on, how much muscle they have. But it's also like if you're looking at someone when they're not up on stage or they're like about to go on stage and they can't realize people are looking at them or you're looking at them from the side or the front when they're doing a back shot where you like almost want to puff your stomach out to make your low back look tighter. Like, yeah, yeah it, you're going to have a distended gut. Like anyone who's muscular or just big in any way in general is not going to have a flat stomach. No. And it's, it's like, yeah, I mean, if you find anyone from the wrong angle, they're going to have a distended gut. But it's about well, that's the only time stage if you're a bodybuilder. That's the only time you can breathe too on stage is when you hit a back double. So it's like as soon as you turn around, I'm like I'm catching my fucking breath for a second. I'm letting that shit hang out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's hard because normally right before that you you're or no the ab and thighs afterwards. Yes, yeah, so you want to get those breaths in before the ab and thigh for sure. Because <laughs> that one you yeah. want you got to pull all your air out. But yeah, dude, it was it was a good show. I mean, definitely looked the best you ever looked. Uh, I think, obviously, I have no idea what they did, but I'm assuming that they're not playing the size game like they were in the past few years, and they're actually playing to his strengths. And it's going very well. It goes to show you that, you know, if you're pushing up, trying to be as big as possible, I mean, in his defense, he's going against guys like Nick Walker, so I get it. But, like, you just, you really can't push your weight more than it wants to go. Otherwise, it's just not going to look the way it's supposed to. you got to play to what your body wants to do. And, and almost every time when you listen and you do what you do what your body wants and go where it wants to go, you're gonna look your best anyway. So it was it was really really cool to see and watch it all come together because I think for sure that's the best he's ever been and should be pretty good come time for the Olympia. So I'm excited for that. I would love for you to keep expanding on that thought when you were mentioning uh, basically like not biting your body or only kind of fighting it to some degree at appropriate times like i mean we're not going to feel like eating we're not going to feel like doing certain things you know towards the end of a bulk for sure and obviously you know prep isn't fun especially towards the end you have to fight your body in a sense but more yeah. so fighting your mind at that point but can you, i already kind of know we're going to go with it but can you elaborate more upon that idea and not forcing weight and all of those things for the listeners yeah, for sure. I mean, in the off season, I think everybody at some point in some way, shape or form is trying to push their body weight up. Right. And when you're looking at the scale and it's going up, it's exciting. It's like, all right, sweet. I'm growing. That's like a number that you can see going up and you're like, okay, if that's going up, I'm growing, which is not always the case, but it's, it's nice to see that move. But if you're stuck at like me, for example, right now, I'm, I'm stuck around like 258, 261 around there and I'm eating a lot of food. Now, the books will tell you, or like, you know, common sense will tell you more food. If that amount of food is not working, you need more. You, you need more drugs and this and that. And it's like, okay, yeah, maybe sometimes, but if you're pushing that much already, is it really going to help you to keep pushing? Probably not. And honestly, sometimes when I've been stuck in a sticking point like that, if you pull back a little bit, whether that's like food or training volume or drugs, or whatever, normally your body starts to go up again, or at least it starts to look better, even if the weight's not going up. So, I mean, yeah, you can't just fight yourself all the time. Sure, you got to get the food down, but if you're like, if your stomach's getting distended and like your digestion's shit and like you're lethargic, it's not working, like you really think more food's going to make your body grow if it feels like shit already? Like that's just not going to happen. And then in terms of these uh, open guys that are like really at just about the max that they can be, um, you know, it's very competitive. There's a lot of pressure, lots of eyes on them. And, you know, I'm just obviously I have no idea anybody's specific situation because I don't know these guys personally. But, you know, in Hunter's case, he's going against some really big dudes. And it's like, OK, what do I got to do to beat these guys? Well, common sense tells me I need to be bigger. And that's what everybody always wants to say. But with Hunter, it's really just refining what he already has, maybe putting a little tiny bit in certain places, but it's not really just, he's not going to, basically, in short, he's not going to beat Nick Walker by being Nick Walker. He has to be his best self, and then that will have a chance at beating these other individuals. So it's really just playing your strengths, right? 
if your body wants to be big, probably get big, you know, like Nick Walker. He's huge, and that's his strengths. And we saw last year when he was trying to be smaller, it didn't work, right? They were yeah, they were flagging him for being a little bit smaller. He was trying to be aesthetic. And, like, yes, there's a certain level of aesthetics to him, but if he's not freaky, he's not going to be as good because that's his strong point. With Hunter, he's more, you know, I'm not fucking gay or anything, but his physique is beautiful, right? And it's like, you got to play to that instead of being freaky. So, yeah, I don't know. I rambled a bunch, but there's a lot of info for you. I'm homo and you're beautiful. <clears throat> Dan, do you have anything? Yeah, no, I agree with what Ben said kind of on that. Is that like <clears throat> anytime you fight your body more than you should, it's not going to really work out. Like, again, when you're growing, when you're in a prep, like you're going to have to fight it to a point. But it was like Derek trying to make 212 all the time. He was having to fight his body so hard to get down to that weight. As soon as they stopped doing that, they pulled back on the drugs. He's not taking a lot of shit and just eating food. He started growing like a weed. And it's like, he, that's what he was telling me at the gym. He's like, I just stopped fighting my body and I just let myself grow. And he went from first place in 212 to second place in open in his like, debut. That yeah. makes so much sense because I'm like, man, how is this guy that was already so big and so dense get so much bigger? But if he was fighting really hard to get that weight down for so long, yeah, I'm sure his body just you know, and put in the most unscientific way possible, thanked him, you know? I yeah. Mean, was, when, when you're that extra ridiculously depleted to the point where you're, like, fully depleted and probably had to lose a little bit of muscle to make weight, and then you go into just a, you know, nice growth phase, it makes sense that he blew up as if he was not already huge. Um, yeah. I think I just found a good topic for me guys talking about that. We could, um, we could talk about when do you think is an appropriate time to end um given phases but we, we can start with how fat is too fat uh how shitty of digestion is too shitty of digestion all of the how bad of cardio is too bad like what are these signs that people should look for to be like all right i'm done with this bulk slash growth phase whatever you push up phase whatever you want to call it i need to either you know do a mini cut or prep or do a health phase? Like, what are the things that you guys, both with yourselves uh, and or clients, look for to indicate, like, okay, it's time to pull back a little bit, change phases, et cetera? I'll let, uh, I'll let you do that one. Okay. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, especially my coach, I'm coached by Nick Tong. Um, he doesn't like to get his clients, like, fat in the offseason. And I think a big indicator is definitely, like, you have to look at it per client because some clients hold more body fat just genetically. And like me, I stay on the leaner end. So Nick's kind of at the point where he's like, if I visibly can't see any lines like in your abdominal region, like we put on too much fat versus someone that might hold a little bit more body fat. Then you can kind of look at, okay, well, their legs stay a little bit leaner. If they start to lose lines in their legs and we need to pull back. So I think it's definitely person dependent. But if they start losing lines or shape, it's like at that point you're like, okay, like we push it a little too far, we need to start to pull back. Yeah, one thing I noticed about myself, Ben, I'll let you talk in a second, but one thing I noticed about myself this year is I got the leanest I ever did in like December and then did, you know, I kind of saw how aggressively I could rebound. I kind of experimented a little bit. I was like, I'm probably getting a little bit too fat too quick, but I wanted to see how hard I could push it without getting too fat. And then I got too fat, so I found out. Fucked around and found out. But one thing I noticed um, that probably led me a little bit astray was I don't hold much uh, stomach fat, but I hold a lot of oblique and low back fat. So when you're saying like sometimes you're going to want to look at people's, um, you know, like, uh, like abs or sometimes you're going to look at their legs. For me, I almost think I need to start looking at like my waist and really actually doing like waist measurements and looking at my low back and things like that. Like I think when I get to the point where I don't have any striations at all in my low back, like at least in okay-ish lighting like that's probably the point for me but for a lot of people that would be different it would be more so looking at like oh you lost your ab lines time to reverse so, yeah then what were you gonna say yeah um i mean it's it's a tough one because like we're saying it's different from for everybody but i think you know if you reach a point where it's pretty hard to eat 
it's taken like 30 40 minutes to eat a meal it's uh you know you're really lethargic your strength really isn't going up like weights aren't feeling as easy um you can also keep track of your blood your fasted blood glucose if that starts to go up a good bit then you're probably not in a good spot because you're not really processing food super fast it's probably time to pull back i mean you know you'll figure it out through trial and error i think we've all been too fat at one point um, but yeah, you just sort of really have to take it for what it is and see where your stopping point is. Um, but something we can sort of segue into this is how to not get there. Um, yeah. we can sort of talk about how to start it out, how to progressively add things on top so that you can continue the progress as the off season goes on. Um, but yeah, I mean, do you guys have any, any thoughts on, on how you want to organize that? Only... The only thing I was going to add to that is you kind of already started hinting to it with the insulin sensitivity with the blood glucose. Um, but I also have my clients report how good their pumps are. Um, yeah. I kind of have them do it per muscle as a training piece, but then separately I'm like, yo, overall, how are your pumps this week? Um, for different reasons when they're, you know, losing weight versus gaining weight or recomping. But if you're pushing weight up aggressively and your pumps start getting less good, it's probably a sign that your body is not handling carbs very well or just food in general because um, you're just not getting the nutrients to your muscles like you should and you're probably just storing more adipose fat tissue than you should but that's the only little thing I think I had to add there that or just I mean to some degree if you've been pushing for a super super long period of time and you're just mentally really out of it with that then it's like you know if you're if you're borderline then little things like that could be the deciding factor but that's not a big ticket item because yeah um, with with that too though um it it, all of this shit's like so complex in its its own way like with that too you could just need some more rest days like if your pumps are starting to suck Mm -hmm. you probably Mm -hmm. probably have pretty high fatigue and it might be a sign to either pull back on sets or pull back on the amount of days you're in the gym um i found that helped me a lot when i take you know, if that happens to me when pumps are diminishing, like workouts aren't that good, I'll take like three or four days in a row off and then I'll come back. And it's like, holy shit, I've never worked out in my life. It, it's it, everything comes back. So it could be a sign to stop your off season, but it also could be a sign you just need to manage your fatigue more. Um, but I don't know. That's uh, probably not going to happen for a lot of people. Like, I don't think a lot of people are are having a ton of fatigue that they need to manage. Um, not shitting on everybody, but I don't think anyone drives enough fatigue anyway. <laughs> not a lot That's of people. True. A lot of people are not actually getting to that point um, because they're not training hard enough. And I hate to be that guy, but it's the truth. <laughs> no, no, you're good. I'm, I'm, I was gonna say. Well, Danny can say what you're gonna say. I was gonna say we should we should talk about RIR slash how hard people think they train versus train before we get yes. into the what we were gonna talk about before. Dan, you can you can start us off with that. Well, I'll have clients tell me like how they're like, yeah, I train hard. Like I'm just they're like I'm not sore, and I was like soreness like again, it's very dependent. Like you could be sore as shit after a workout, or you might not be that sore, but that's not an indicator if you had a good workout or not. Mm-hmm. But clients will be like, yeah, like I'm not like. I'm not super sore or they'll be like, I'm really sore. And they're like, I, I train really hard. I'm like, okay, well send me like, send me videos of your top sets. Like, I want to see how your intensity is in your training. They'll send me it. And I'm like, I'm like, it's a fucking warm up set. I'm like, what are you yeah. doing? I'm like, this is your top set. And they're just sitting there like I'm pull downs just like this, just going through. I'm like, well, I'm like, what are you, this is why you're not growing. Yeah. So I think that majority of the population of people that train, they think they train hard but they have no idea what hard training is until they train with someone like Ben or you or me or like an actual legitimate person that bodybuilds and does it for a living. And then they're like, holy shit, this is like how I should work out. You know, to be fair to them too, like they don't know, right? They only know how much they got. So it's like, uh, I know if someone hears that, they might be like, oh, you're shitting on me for being a Like, No, not necessarily. You just don't know yet how far you can take your body. It's yep. like, okay, I failed because I can't move anymore. Well, yeah, but there's a little more in there. You can you can eke out some more effort within that set, and that's what's going to make the difference. But, you know, if you don't know that, then you're not going to do it. So to be fair, they just need to learn. 
I've, totally. I've purposely been a lot harsher with that with my clients because I was way too soft about it in the beginning. I was like, I don't know, maybe afraid to offend people. And a lot of my first clients were friends and they weren't super duper into fitness, let alone bodybuilding. But over the last like four months or so, I, I preached all my clients. I have it on my intro page that all my clients see. I'm like, if you finished a set that is supposed to be to failure by any definition of failure and your last rep was not incredibly slow, you didn't actually fail. What I, I kind of take it a step beyond that. I say, if your last rep wasn't a partial, you didn't technically fail. Because yeah, my last rep could be super, super, super slow, but if I didn't try for another one and actually fail, you didn't fucking fail and you're cheating yourself. And I'll have people that send me a set and like the first few weeks that I'm working with them, you know, they'll be like, all right, you know, like RP 10. And I'm like, you had six reps left in the tank. Next week they send it. I'm like, it was a little bit better, but you still had like three at least reps left in the tank. And they send the next one like, all right, all right, all right. This one, I got a spotter. I really did it. And I'm like, I'm glad you got a spotter. You know, it was leg press with a safety. So you probably didn't need one, but hey, that's okay. I'm like, but you still had at least one more rep left in the tank. I'm like, you didn't fail. So you didn't fucking fail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I like that actually. Um, you can, you got to be careful what exercise you tell them to do that on. But yeah, I mean, if you're, mm -hmm. I, I think that's good though. Like on the safe exercises, if you're, Finishing with a partial, you can't get a full rep at the end, then you're probably done. I wouldn't go to that length on squats, like barbell squats or... No, yeah, know, I should make yeah. that clear. Spinally loaded exercises, exercises where there's no safety <laughs> mechanism, yeah, definitely don't do that. This is, this is only for exercises where if you fail, it is completely safe to fail. You can drop the dumbbells out of your way. The machine will stop at the bottom without your knees being in your eyeballs or... It's an isolation move where, you know, unless you let go yeah. of the bar on a track push down, you're probably okay. Right. You know, I think any, like, any accessory movement, like a pull down or a row machine, like anything like that, or like lateral raises, like that stuff, you should be pushing to that point. But like deadlift squats, like even like free bar bench press, I wouldn't, I would definitely have someone there for it. Yeah, risk, risk. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even bench press at all. That's just, if you're bodybuilding, don't do that shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. No. I have, I have a lot of people, at the, the a lot of the clients that I have is from a gym back home in Maryland called Exile. So shout out to all my Exile clients. Um, but it's, it's a very powerlifting centric gym. And there are some absolute monsters in there. Like my friend Phil Herndon squats a thousand pounds with wraps. No, no squat suit or anything, but wraps squats a thousand fucking pounds in competition it's ridiculous so he's hyping everyone up there's tamara walcott that goes there so she's female that's deadlifted i think it was over 600 now um like multiple world records so everyone wants to be strong you want to talk about like the you know sarm goblins that are doing sumo deadlifts with two inches range of motion there's a lot of that there but it's okay they're in fitness and it's great but everyone there wants to bench and i've had a lot of people come to me at exile and they're like hey you know like I see there's no flat barbell bench on my training program. And I'm like, there sure isn't, buddy. Your arms are incredibly long. You are, there's no way that you're going to get a great stretch and contraction on your chest in the safest way possible, let alone the fact that you can't actually fail safely on it. And also some people that's going to be overstretching the chest a little bit. I mean, all the pec tears that I've seen in person, it was relatively close grip bench so it's like you know your elbow is going way far behind your body and a lot of tension on the chest and i just I, I would i put it in people's programs but if they ask for it but i confirm with them like hey this isn't going to be the quote-unquote optimal thing for you this will kind of take away from your goals with bodybuilding a tiny little bit but if this is something you have a passion for we can include that in there, but this is now a hybrid program. If you want the best of the best for your chest gains, 99% of you guys aren't gonna be doing it. I mean, do you guys have any scenarios where you'd be like, yes, this person needs to do barbell bench press in order to build XYZ muscle better than you know any other exercise that we would choose for that person? No, 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 no. I, I, it's just, I sound like a hater, but it's just not needed in bodybuilding. It's really not. It's fun to do. Fuck, dude. I love it. Like, I used yeah. to do that all the time. And I wanted to do 
four plate uh, barbell bench sets for like 10 or whatever. But like, because that's what everybody did. Okay. Like we've learned a lot in say the past 10 years or so as an industry and everybody used to do it a lot more say even like five years ago and now nobody's really doing it because they know it's like there's been enough people that have fucking torn their peck off the bone that it's like okay yeah that's probably not a good idea and uh i hate it because i did like it a lot but i just kind of got used to not doing it and it's not worth it to me anymore and eventually you give it up you stop missing it I'm, I'm going to ask a question and it, it, I'll explain why after how much do each of you got, how, how much is the most each of you guys have benched? Cause for you guys watching this, both of these guys have huge chests and mine is small. Keep that in mind when, when they answer this and then when I answer it, Go ahead. I did. Well, actually the most I did was when goob came down, like a, I think it was like a month ago. And he was like, come bench with me. I'm like, bro, I don't need to fucking bench. He's like, you're being a <laughs> pussy. I'm like, all right, well, I have to bench now. So I benched with him, and I did, I think, 365 for, like, four reps. But that's yeah. stupid. Like, Austin, SP, he yeah. tore his pec when he was 18 from trying to bench 405. And it's like, yep. he's never touched flat bench after that. He told me that, and I'm like, I wouldn't touch it either. Also, 405 and yeah. 18 is just fucking – that just shows – how insane his genetics are too. Yeah. Ben, yeah. Ben's face is hilarious right now. Ben, He's like, what? <laughs> that just sounds painful. Oh. But I think uh, I think I got like 385 for three one time because I was getting too ballsy. Uh, but no, I would do 365 for like sets of eight to ten whenever I was still using them. But it was on incline. I, I didn't because I was afraid of flat because everybody was getting torn up on flat. And I'm like, eh, okay, I'll just I won't do that. So I kind of like I thought that incline was like safe. <laughs> I was like, well, it's not flat, so it's safe, but it's still like pretty much the same danger. <laughs> but yeah, I think I did like 365 for eight or so, 385, 385 for like three on incline. Incline yeah. is really, that's really good. Yeah, but I was I was stronger on incline. Incline just felt better for Holy me. Holy shit. All right. Yeah. Well, okay. I The most I ever did in the gym was, I think it was 417 with a pause. So I maybe could have like flailed 430 off my chest. And this was like, this I was powerlifting. And I also had a leg injury at the time. So I was just like all in with bench. And I had some drawl in the mix. And I think I even sprinkled it. <laughs> Might have sprinkled in some M-Trend that day, to be honest. But which you guys have probably never used. And I don't think any bodybuilder ever needs to take that, to be honest. I, oh, I you do, have. Oh, okay. Well, so we'll go to that in a second. What, what, what I was going to say was the, the point of this was going to be like, these guys have huge chests. Mine is still a weak point of mine. And I was, I was hoping that I would either have an equal bench to them or just a little bit more so that my point could be like, hey, your bench does not fucking matter for how big your chest is. But Ben benches 365 or 8 to 10 on incline. So I'll just go you know, fuck myself. And I guess my point's invalid now. But <laughs> we all agree bench isn't the best. Um, when the hell did you take M-Tren and, and why? <laughs> um, you know, I don't really know why. I was young and Phil had me do it for like four weeks. I, it was just, it was just kind of like a, like a pre-workout thing, you know? You know he, he's had it in there for yeah. a couple of weeks just to get a little more strength. So I don't, honestly, at the point, at that point I was not really dialed in with my diet enough to feel the benefit of it and, and that actually proves that like diet is way more important than drugs like i was using it yes but it didn't i don't really think i felt it to be honest i really didn't get much from it did, did we lose him it's for me i mean it was like i never got super aggressive on it like a lot of people say i just got insane levels of focus which was nice but eating eating when you're on M-Trend. Like, I don't know how you're in it for four weeks. I mean, I can't even, I can't eat the same day yeah. when I pin it. Um, also, I, for I the by the way, M-Trend is, it was, it was made to be oral, oral trend, basically, but it's, uh, you can use it injectable. And it's so strong that it's measured in micrograms, not milligrams. <laughs> So that's that's how crazy intense it is. That's how strong it binds to the androgen receptor. It's it's truly nuts. Um, but it, it's like trend on trend. 
both mentally and physically for most people. There's no reason to use it. It's horrible for you. Um, but some people swear by it for powerlifting competitions and such. And a few bodybuilders, I don't think any of the pros that I know, but I don't know, some, some of the bigger classic guys that I know um, at like the high national level like to take it just a few days before they go into show because they think it like dries them out, <laughs> like when people use halotestin. Um, but it's, it's, it's a crazy beast right there. Yeah, I, I, mean, think, uh, I think check drops are even nuttier in yeah, my experience. But I mean, like, it's also the devils and the doves, too. Like, you can probably find a use for it if mm -hmm. you go low enough with it. It just sort of depends on how yeah. much you do. Yeah. But anyway, let's, uh, let's, well, go, back, gonna... let's go back to the Tampa yeah. Pro. Yeah, let's go back into the reverse now. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you, can, you can start us off. You're the one that had the idea for for preventing the getting too fat, preventing the digestion issues, preventing the lack of pump, all that. So you had, you had a good uh, train rolling before. So uh, let me try to find my train. You might have to edit this out because I don't remember. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, so we're talking about not getting too fat. Okay. So yeah. So I mean, just I mean. I'm, like to start us off, basically just checking in with your coach every week, obviously is going to be the important thing. Like do your check-ins, get them in consistent lighting. So it doesn't look way different. You know, try to keep the variables as, as much the same as you can try to figure out around where your maintenance calories sit within the protocols that you're doing. Cause your maintenance is going to be different when you're doing, you know, these sets of protocols versus other ones. You want to bounce off that? Yeah, I think, um, for sure you need to set it up so you can't just like, I'm going to start growing and just jump right in an off season. Like this is also it with the assumption that you're going to use PADs. So if you're not, then yeah, we should probably, yeah, we should probably clarify that to be a little, yeah. Uh, so well, yeah, I guess we'll just keep it down to if, if you're enhanced, cause it is definitely, uh, it is definitely different. It's harder. It's harder to really recomp if a, you're already lean B if you're not enhanced. So that changes the conversation for the, the natties listening. Um, but yeah, Ben, if, if you're enhanced, how, how do you go about setting up a growth phase? How do you go about checking in on the status of it? Do you look at, do you look at training progress a lot? Do you look at just visuals? Do you look at visuals, weight, training, performance? I mean, I know it's probably a combo of all three and then some, but what do you, what do you really look for first or most importantly? Um, so in the beginning, before you're going to start an off season, you have to have a baseline amount of calories and you have to be eating that for a significant amount of time to where your body's used to eating it. Um, you don't obviously want to be too out of shape before you start it. You want to be generally pretty lean, insulin sensitive. You want your blood glucose to be in a good spot as well. Um, everything like that, blood markers, you know, go get your blood work done, make sure everything's healthy. You're all good and set to, to go. Um, in the beginning, honestly, if you're on a good roll, literally just introducing test and that's gonna, that's gonna bring the weight up. You're going to add weight from that. Um, you know, that will probably work for like eight weeks just doing that. You could, uh, after that throw in something else, like, I don't know, whatever your favorite is either NPP or EQ or whatever. Um, it's really just building on top of it. But through that first eight weeks, I would try to drive food up a little bit. Right. Mm -hmm. So you put the test in your sub or sorry, super physiological levels. And then, you know, slightly start putting food on top of food a little bit more each week. Just seeing, you know, what you can get away with. Basically keep track of where your body is and where your body fat is accumulating. If you're accumulating any at all, there's going to be some water weight involved with that too. Whenever you start. Um, so that could be part of the reason the scale is going up as well. But yeah, I think the first eight weeks, you can really just play with food and test and that's it. Um, and then sort of go from there and then, you know, including different compounds to keep the, the progress going. Um, you may, if you're not doing some already, you need to introduce cardio later on to keep your weight in a good spot, mm -hmm. not just your weight, your, your body fat levels. So cardio can be used to keep it down. You can use insulin to be better at partitioning nutrients. Um, you know, there's a whole lot of tools that you can use to continue things going um, that I don't really know off the top of my head, but just shooting the shit, that's what comes to mind. Um, but yeah, really just being progress pro progressive about it. You don't want to throw everything at yourself at first because then it's not going to work after 12 weeks. You're going to be done. So 
just sort of saving your cards and using it whenever you're you're ready to use it. I, I think too, if you save some of your tools that you can use, um, like you said, you're going to get so much out of just you know upping test the first eight to ten weeks. So it's it's like you already have one thing that's helping you progress upwards. So you're going to be having fun. You're going to be hitting PRs. Your pumps are going to be great. Like everything that you want. If you can save some of the tools that help you with that so that you can just kind of stay in that nice train where you like bodybuilding and all these metrics that you want to be increasing or increasing, I, I feel like that's just a much more enjoyable process than throwing a bunch of things um, at it from the get-go and then just kind of hitting a roadblock really aggressively, you know, 16 weeks down the road and then having to backtrack and, you know, maybe even... Uh, maybe even losing progress and definitely losing weight on the scale. I mean, if you, if you have to take all of your AAs out, all your GH out, all your insulin out, um, because your blood markers get so bad, then, I mean, the scale's gonna fly down. And if you're someone who's very attached to the scale, um, it's not gonna feel good. And your training's gonna decrease instead of just moving up gradually, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but. Yeah, and doing it, doing it that way too, piggybacking off what you said, you avoid, you know, health issues. If you throw everything in there all at once, you're gonna look like you can't do that for fucking six months and expect nothing to be off. Like you're gonna be off if you're doing everything in the kitchen sink for six months. It's not gonna work. But uh, go ahead and expand on that, Hunter. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I feel like it's the same thing in a prep setting too. Like if you use everything in your toolbox all at once, it's like you're gonna get closer to show and you're gonna be like, well, shit, like. We kind of did everything we could, or even the same thing with people that are like natural too. Um, like if you start someone off on low food and high cardio, it's like you can't move from there. Like you no. can't do anything from that point. And that's like what a lot of people will come to me with or they're like, yeah, I'm like doing an hour of cardio a day. I'm eating 2,000 calories and doing like 13 weeks out from a show. It's like, why? Like what are you doing? Yep. Um, Dude, like – I've had situations with preps like North Americans 2021. I, my off season before that was not good enough for me to be able to get as lean as I needed to be. You know, mm -hmm. you reach a spot in the prep where it's like, okay, I'm out of food. Okay, I'm doing a shitload of cardio, taking everything I can take, and I'm not lean enough still. It's because you slacked in the off season. It's not because you're not putting enough effort into the prep. You're busting your ass, but it doesn't matter how hard you work. If you're in that yeah. spot where you did that you dug that hole too deep, you can't be shredded. And that's what that's something that actually drives me nuts when people are like, "Oh, this guy's not lean enough. He's a pussy." Like, uh, maybe, but maybe he also didn't plan it out properly and he ran out of tools. You know, it's not always not enough effort um, to get stage lean. Like, it really requires you to set everything up perfectly. It's not just getting into it driving it down and just putting, you know, pedal to the metal the whole time. Like you really have to be methodical about it if you're going to have strided glutes on stage. And no, absolutely. to, um, sorry, go ahead, Dan. Dan, I can't, I no, can't no. see your vision. Or if I accidentally talk over you, you can go first. <laughs> no, you're fine. No, I said, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, like even right now, like we haven't changed my food probably for the past four weeks and I've still been getting leaner. Like I've still been tightening up a lot more. And it's like when you set up your off season in a sense to like where it's going to make sense throughout the prep, like Ben was just saying, like do everything you need to do in your off season. So when prep comes around, you're not going to have to make a shit ton of adjustments because not changing food for four weeks and still tightening up and getting leaner and stuff. It's like, you're just going to cruise throughout the rest of the prep. Yeah. It's going to get harder, but it's like, you did everything you need to do in your off season to set yourself up for this point. Yeah, yeah and, and to obviously in that <laughs> conversation, we're mostly speaking to like guys and like highly muscular guys. To go the total, total other range of the spectrum with this, like bikini chicks, like even natural bikini chicks, there's a lot of women that have had come to me and lifestyle women who are, they're like, I'm eating this very little amount of food. I'm talking like they had a coach that was giving them 800 calories with two hours of cardio a day for eight weeks going into a show and they still weren't lean. And they're like, you know, how come when I was with them, I still couldn't lose any more fat? Like, did my calories need to be even lower? And I'm like, for the love of fucking God, no, you're gonna like legitimately put yourself in the hospital. Like there is, there's absolutely some minimum threshold of total amount of food a person can eat where they're just not getting in enough micronutrients from whole foods that their body is going to shut down to some degree. 
Um, and I've seen it happen. And there's there's some women that I know personally from you know irresponsible coaches that did that to them, and now they're four months out of their first or four months past their first show, um, which wasn't even an NPC show; it was a PCA show. And now they have a different coach who's fantastic, and they're still working on fixing their gut health, their blood work, all of this stuff. So Ben, when you said oh. that stuff pisses you off, it really pisses me off too. Like the whole the whole thing that I really really focus on with a lot of my female athletes is building not just muscle mass, but building your metabolism for life, for bodybuilding, for having somewhere to go when you do want to get lean for a vacation or for stage, if your metabolism isn't sitting up at a certain point, you mathematically cannot go any lower than you are to a certain degree. So if someone comes to me and I realize I'm like, oh shit, their maintenance calories are like, I don't know, 1500. I'm like, yeah, you're not like, yeah, sure. If you're like really overweight, then we can, you know, recomp you. If you're, you know, 250 plus, pounds is like a five foot six chick or something like, yeah, we can, we can recomp you. You touching weights is going to help you lose fat and everything. But if you're not in that position and you're already kind of lean, I'm like, we just need to do a reverse diet growth phase, some mix of that for a long time until your maintenance calories are at least at 2000 because otherwise say your maintenance calories only at 1500 and you know, a pound of fat is about 3,500 calories in air quotes, something, something around there. That's what the theory goes like. Okay, cool. So then you drop them down to a thousand calories a day, right? Because that in theory would be 500 calorie deficit. Multiply that by seven. So that's negative 3,500 calories a week, which in theory is losing a pound of fat. How long do you think you can do that before your thyroid downregulates or you just lose a little bit of muscle mass with it, especially if you're a natty chick who's already lean? There, you can't do much if your metabolism is not robust before you go into a fat loss prep. So that is something I am very passionate about. So Ben, when you said that pisses you off, I was like, oh, shit, pisses me off even more. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, do you guys, what do you guys think is like a, uh, a minimum amount of calories for someone to use for, I'll say more than, I'll say more than three and maybe more than four weeks going into a show maybe for male or for female that like if you're under that it's just like you shouldn't be doing this yet you're going to do more harm than it's worth for your body you shouldn't be prepping like where where is that line for you guys uh i think man it really depends but if we're going by like a you know i don't know the word but like for women i think on average well not even on average i don't think any woman should go below a thousand i really don't i agree i agree I mean, Alyssa was at 950 at the end of her last one, and she was basically dead. <laughs> I mean, I've heard of like 600 calories, 800 calories. Like, that's just fucking dumb. Like, yeah. as a coach, if you are willing to put someone below 1,000 calories, you're a fucking piece of shit. Like, I'm sorry. Oh, thank you, Ben. Thanks, like, Ben. You're going to fuck them up. You might yep. get them stage lean, but then whenever they're done with the show, they're going to hate their life. They're probably going to leave you because they're they're unhappy with their bodies. It's just not going to work. Like You need to have a standard. If you have a woman who's trying to do a show and you're down to 1,000 calories and she's still not lean enough, tell her. Be like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to drive you below 1,000 calories because that's going to have detrimental effects to your body. You may not be in shape for this show. You might look you know, 80%, 90% as good as you could, but... We're not going to get there because I'm not going to ruin your body. And I really wish more people would do that because they don't really care. They'll drop them to 700. They'll drop them to 600. They'll be basically eating their fingers off at the end of the fucking prep. And then when they get out of it, it literally, like you said, four months for that one thing. Dude, it can take fucking no, it, it was Yeah, it was the last It was the last four weeks. I'm definitely going to send this. The, the, the coach that did this, I'll not really mince words here. I won't mention names, but everyone from Exxon knows who I'm talking about. Um... Feel free to come to me or Mark or any other great coach at Exile, by the way. If you need the help with money, like you're a college kid and you dealt with this coach, like we will, we will help you out. A lot of you guys already have, but yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was told to me that it was about four weeks of two hours of cardio a day and only 800 calories for oh a chick God. that was doing a figure class who did not have a lot of muscle mass yet for a PCA show. Now, 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 I will say this. I don't know if this 
chick that I'm friends with went to the coach and was like, I'm competing no matter what, uh, bring me bring me to this show. Then, I mean, that's maybe it's a little bit on her, but I just think I would never coach someone in that manner because that's just so blatantly irresponsible in the short and long term. Um, yeah, like, like, you know, you know what you're going to do to them. And yeah, exactly, exactly. If you're, if you're willing to do that and you just don't care, then like, dude, come on. Even if the client is like, hey, I'm willing to do it. Like, I don't care. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Right. I'm not going to be responsible for someone's health like that. And with men, I mean, honestly, I think below 1,500 is probably, eh, it depends on the man, but probably 15, maybe 16, 1,700, that's like about as low as you should go. I think with the guys, it's almost less of a, maybe maybe a little bit less of a health thing. Like, I was just thinking in my head, I'm like, if some guy's maintenance calories or, like, aren't at least at, like, 1,800, 2,000, they're probably, unless they have really bad hypothyroidism and they're not on thyroid meds for it, they probably just don't have enough muscle mass that it's worth stepping on stage anyway. Yeah. I just, I mean... I don't know. Here, here's here's my thoughts from someone who's new to this stuff, but has watched this stuff for a while, and is very much towards the end of waiting until I feel like I could maybe win at least a local show to do it. I think that, but this is also based on me getting like pretty close to stage lean last year. Stage lean by a lot of people that are newer to the sports definition. I think bodybuilding is great, but it's it's not healthy, and I think that. If you dip your toe in to try it out, it's got to be in a safe way. And then if you're going to go all in with it, then awesome. Go all in, but have some type of line for yourself where you're like, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this because I know that no matter how far I take the sport, those things are not okay for me. And I think that people should wait until they could actually look like they belong up on an NPC stage to do a show because the process of getting super lean is it's hard it's hard on your life it's great because it makes you a stronger person mentally and all of these great reasons that we do it but it will absolutely negative impact other aspects of your life it is too much of an investment for you to just do nilly-willy just for the fuck of it you will if you don't understand what you're doing and you really go all in with it you will fuck your life up and I'm sure you guys have probably seen people do that. I've been oh, one yeah, of them. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've been I've been close to that point. Um, I'm gonna run to the bathroom really quick. You're good. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'll, be right, I'll be right back. Yeah. You're good. Yeah, yeah dude. I I've been one of them. Like there was a prep where I finished the prep with like forty bucks in my bank account. Like, what am I gonna do with that? You know, I came home after the the, the plane. The plane ride and i'm like oh fuck i don't have any money and it's like thank god i have you know supportive parents like my mom let me use her card for like a week or two until i got a paycheck again but like you just can't do that you know it's not worth it that like what the fuck are you getting out of it like it's an npc show you're gonna you're gonna drain your bank account lose your friends fucking fuck your thyroid up for a freaking npc show are you kidding me like these people just have no sense or, or reason to what they're doing it's like you're not getting anything out of that i understand it looks cool it's fun whatever but like if you're gonna do a prep you're gonna do a show and you want to go all the way you gotta have money saved up you gotta have stability within your personal life you gotta have a fucking job i'm sorry there's way too many people doing show preps without a job like i don't know what the fuck you're doing but it's not the right thing it's like, you know, there's, there's things you need to set up before you do these preps because they will fuck your life, okay, if you're not careful. It's it's a lot is what I'm trying to say. There was, um, that was really good, and I don't have much, too much to add to that. But one – I have two things. One was a quick one. The old gym I used to go to, there was multiple women that would set up, I don't, I don't know what the website was, but it was basically like change.com or fundraising.me or whatever. They would set up fundraisers for people to pay for their hair, makeup, NPC fees, their food. I even saw one where the chick was like, yeah, this is costing me so much, but I know I'm made to do this. I need help with rent. I was like, what are you doing? Like, like that is just the most narcissistic 
unself-aware, ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like bodybuilding is so privileged. You should not be asking people for money so that you can do it, especially if you're not even a, like, I, I just don't think that makes sense in any context, honestly. No, no. Like that just- if you can't afford it, don't do it. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. But uh, what I was gonna say, uh, Dan, ben, ben was talking about his, his one prep that he did. He came back and he had like 40 bucks to his name and he was like, what the fuck do I do with this? My, my experience when I got really lean last year um, is I was not used to handling how I was when I was super depleted and when I was doing all these, honestly, over overly aggressive protocols that I put myself through towards the end. And I was a dick to my girlfriend, Kara. I was, I was, I was really horrible for a bit and I appreciate her standing by me and everything. That's as vulnerable as I can be, but I was horrible to her for like, I don't know, probably like five weeks. It, it was over a month. I was just, I didn't, you know, like do anything bad, like cheat or anything, but just the way that I spoke to her, the way I treated her just did not match up with how I actually felt about her. And it was, it was really shitty. And it made me like not even, it, it made me want to not, not prep, but it made me want to push it back a really far time until it's just like, okay, let's be a better person. Let's save up more money. Let's build more size. And then let's do this the right way. And maybe even just uh, kind of do like a long pre prep phase before I do a prep, before I go back into this. Cause she doesn't deserve that. And your significant others don't deserve that. Yeah. Um, but what was, what was, we, we were basically just still talking about our worst <laughs> prepping or cutting experiences and how bodybuilding can fuck you up. Yeah, no, I honestly, I don't have any, like, bad stories necessarily. Um, but I do agree with the fact of, like, that I think a lot of people will prep and then they make the excuse of that just because they're hungry and, they're, like, they're on these drugs and, like, well, I can be a dick. And it's like, no, you can't. You're like, you choose to do this. You know what I mean? It's like you're choosing to take these hormones, you're choosing to eat this amount of food, you're choosing the training, you're choosing, like no one's making you do it. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I, but it's good that you have the realization that because a lot of people don't, whenever I like know someone that's in prep and they're just being an asshole because they're in prep, I'm like, yo, like you don't have to be like this. Like I've caught myself sometimes where it's like something that wouldn't usually irritate me, it was gonna irritate me. I'm like, I could be a dick right now or I can just like, figure out what I need to say. Mm -hmm. And I think that's definitely something that like a lot of people need to work on. It's just like, Hey, like, you know, I could be an asshole right now to my girlfriend or I can figure out to say something to not be that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think just overall, like I haven't had any bad prep experiences. I just, I got so lean last prep that it hurt to like stand in the shower cause there was enough <laughs> fat under my feet. Ever gotten your ass cheeks so lean that when you fart? All right, Ben, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> when you fart, what? Okay, finish that. Okay, I was gonna say, you ever gotten your ass cheeks so lean that when you fart, it doesn't really like, like flap. It just kind of like, just like a. Bro, like a, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I was like, damn. I was oh like, the God. last time that I heard this sound was like probably when I was 16 watching porn and some girl got railed out. I was like, this isn't, I don't like this. I don't like the fact that my asshole isn't making a farting sound right now. Like, this is, I was like, I did something wrong. Like, what led me to this Bro. point in my life? So, it hurts, that is, it hurts to Yeah, go ahead, Ben. Good luck topping that one. Well, I can't. But it hurts to no, say, yeah, I, it does. I uh, I gotta hop off here in like a minute, so I'm gonna just like like say a few things yeah, and then I'll peace out. But mm -hmm. yep, go for it. Um, yeah, so you know, prep is really fucking hard, basically, and you're gonna be irritable. You're gonna be you know short tempered. It's not gonna be as easy to be how you used to be before you were dieting. Um, but yeah, like what everybody was saying in terms of, you know, not being a dick, not being mean or rude or anything like that. Like you choose to do this, you know, like it just, it baffles me that people have the ego that they can just walk in the gym, just be a dick. Hey, are you, they won't even ask you if you're done using a machine. They'll just assume that like they, it's, it's their God given right to use that machine. Cause they're in prep <laughs> and they're more important than you. Like, yes. fuck you, dude. <laughs> you decided to do that. Like, don't yeah. walk into this fucking gym and look at me like that. Like, if you're prepping and you're a dickhead, I don't respect you at all. I don't. I'm sorry. 
you have the choice to walk into the gym and be nice because that's how you're supposed to be, okay? Just because you're prepping doesn't give you some fucking golden ticket to be a cunt, all right? Like, yeah, you're hungry. Oh, guess what? <laughs> you know, I've been hungry before, too. I've been in your shoes before, too. You can still be nice to people. I promise. It's not that difficult. If you really have fucking problems, go home, stay home, don't go in public, and just don't bother everybody else with your negative ass. Because you decided to do a bodybuilding show that you probably can't even afford, and that's probably why you're in a bad mood. So, anyway, if you have anger problems... We got Ben Raven, and I love it. (laughs) I was just going to say, if we're ranting and raving, if we're ranting and raving, I was just going to say one thing that I put on my story that I wanted to say on here is... Holy fuck, clean up your trash when you're done at a show, you pieces of shit. There was like 50 fucking water bottles. There was broken up rice cakes all over the floor, all over tables. There was shit all exploded in the microwave that no one cleaned up. I saw honey just dripping out all over table, dripping down onto the floor. I'm like, do you guys not real? Let's, even if you're the most selfish person ever as a bodybuilder, you want the best venue for your event, right? You want the best everything. You know what happens when you don't take care of the venue? They don't let you come back, and then you have to go to a less shitty venue. So even if you're a psychopath who's a piece of shit, still clean up your shit because you won't even just ruin it for other people. You'll ruin it for yourself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or yeah, when people like they don't <clears throat> they don't cover the toilet seats with like towels and there's just fucking oh, yeah. tan on the toilet seat. It's like that shit's hard to clean off. Mm. It's like. Hotels are going to see that and be like, yeah, we, we're not going to do this next year. And then it's like, you're kind of shit out of luck at that point. Yeah. But did, yeah. Uh, did anyone end it on a more positive note? So we got, I started ranting and then Ben was like, oh boy, I've been waiting for this. The Tampa Pro was great. I definitely think, if you guys wanted to touch on Classic, in my opinion, I think that Carlos should have won. But it was like an apples to oranges thing. Matt looked really good. Carlos looked really good. They both just competed against each other. Carlos won. I do think that they kind of played a little bit more to Matt's end because they wanted him to be at the Olympia. But again, it was just like, it was very close in the fact like either or winning, like you can justify both. I appreciate that perspective. Yeah, I, if anything, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, agree. I think you have a better than I do. I agree. I think uh, Carlos mm. won for sure, but... Um, yeah, pretty much agree with everything you said. But yeah, dude, I gotta, I gotta go. I got a client here in a little bit, so I gotta peace out. But yeah. no, you're good. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll summarize up the whole episode while you hop off. Out of the guys, uh, don't give your girls 800 calories and two hours of cardio for four don't weeks. Clean up your fucking trash. Don't get too fat yeah. in the off season. Try not to be a dick to your girlfriend when you're on prep, and uh, you don't need to do really heavy bench to build your chest. Yep. So. Thank you guys for tuning in. Next week, we'll probably do more of a deep dive. Thank you again, Danilo. Thank you so much for jumping in at the last second, literally 10 minutes before we started this. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. We'll probably have you on again at some point, but. Yeah. Bye.